1: This is an official download from TheCustardTV.com It's
2: The Custard TV podcast, the podcast uh, for TV lovers by three TV obsessives. Your obsessives this week are, by no surprise, me, Luke, editor of TheCustardTV.com, Matt in the northern area. I am here. <laughs> and uh, Sarah Hughes from The Guardian. Hello. Hello. You're in an empty house. I like the way you've, you've shunned your family for the purposes of this.
3: I know, it's amazing. There's nothing I won't do for TV, you know, and for you guys.
2: If you were smart about this, you could just tell, tell them that you've joined the podcast and you need time to yourself every Saturday.
3: <laughs> I know, it'd be brilliant. <laughs> Never come back, guys. Maybe I'll just take control of the whole house and but- cast them out on the street.
2: I liked it earlier when you said one of your kids has got a friend round because they haven't got a friend round because you've sent them away.
3: (laughs) I know. It's very evil. I'm feeling mildly guilty, but not really. I like talking about TV
1: too much.
0: Luke and Matt. This could be a podcast. A podcast. Don't you have to be some sort
1: of whiz kid to do those? Uh, definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. Talking telly. Use your ears and trust them. This is the Custard TV podcast. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com.
2: On the show today, we'll be talking about four shows, four big shows this week. Uh, Line of Duty on BBC One, Dead Pixels on E4, Amazon's new thing Hannah, and also uh, the return of the good fight on Morphor, and also a bit of a weight loss scheme for Sarah as she takes (laughs) on Boxmaster. How do you feel like your general TV knowledge is?
3: Well, I like to think it's good, but I actually really panic when I have to do things like this and start forgetting and come across as really stupid, so it's going to to go well.
2: It's therapy, this podcast, really. (laughs) what it is on the social media front we've been asking because a lot of people have been re-watching line of duty in the run-up to series five what is the box that you've watched over and over again now speaking of therapy this is a bit of therapy for me because i have a lot of dvds too many dvds in fact we're moving again soon and i'm dreading putting them all away in the boxes and there's just too many of them and i've even started buying things on Blu-ray that I already have on DVD, and I don't even know why. It's a It's a problem. sickness,
4: Luke. It's a it's sickness, a
2: sickness. <laughs> yeah. Matt, what would it be for you? Because you don't re- re-watch many dramas, do you? Really, no, I not?
4: mean, if it's the TV shows I've watched more than once, then it's probably stuff like Friends and, and The Simpsons, Pro- probably those for box sets, The Simpsons yeah. box sets, maybe Father Ted, uh, I'm just looking at what I've got in front of me now. <laughs> <laughs> that's cheating, that's cheating. <laughs> I think Black Books was one I've been back to more than once. Um, it's easier, isn't it, with comedies than dramas? Because I think with dramas, it relies more on the, on the big moments. And once you've seen them, you're like, do I really want... You know, I know that that's happened now, whereas comedies... You you sort of know where you are and it's sort of gentle
2: and relaxing. You and can say that though, that you know where the joke you know where all the jokes Mm-mm. are in comedies. I think comedies have got more rewatch value. I will say that over the summer, thanks to the sport and my lack of interest in said sport, mm-hmm. I did watch all of Breaking Bad again, which I've been meaning to do for a long time. I enjoyed that so much more the second time round Things happen a lot sooner than you remember. I thought I had a good knowledge of it, but then things still surprise you. It's one of the pluses of getting older and forgetting things that things <laughs> come up and you go, "Oh, I forgot about that." <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Sarah? What have you? What do you always well, tend to rewatch?
3: Because I've got a goddaughter who is um, in her early twenties and had grown up sort of on streaming and Netflix and never watched any of the HBO shows because they weren't yeah. on it. So we did rewatch. I did The Wire with her and Mad Men with her, which was fantastic, both of them, just re-watching. I I kind of agree, though. I I like watching, I've done Peep, Peep show, Black Books again. I do have one very weird thing that I just, me and my dad had this obsessive thing about, which is GBH. We watched the whole of the first series of GBH and then we were away for the final episode and never saw it. And then they repeated it on TV three years later, so we watched it all again and again we missed the final episode. So then for over a decade, my dad and I had no idea how GBH ended. (laughs)
2: You couldn't get on with your life. You were just
3: stuck. Yeah, it was so upsetting. And then one night I came home from work. My mum was out. Everyone else said he was there. And it was as we were sort of flicking through the channels, they went, and now the final episode of GBH. And this was.
2: So you GBH. immediately went out. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> we sat, we watched it, but then after that, we actually bought it on DVD just yeah. to re-watch the whole thing through, so that's yeah. probably my pick, actually, just because Gosh. it was such a, it was a 15-year wait. <laughs>
2: But what, what was it like watching The Wire with somebody so young? I mean, it's quite should... a slow burn, isn't it, The Wire, no, when you she start?
3: Loved, she loved it. She absolutely brilliant. She was completely addicted from the beginning, which really helped. Because then she was like, we have to just sit here and watch the whole thing through. Through has a second season, when they suddenly went to the docks. And she was like... I
2: can't do that docks. Yeah. If I was to rewatch it, I couldn't do the docks oh, again. I no,
3: The docks season
4: is brilliant, and it really... Look,
2: Sorry, Sarah. Luke, have you have you watched yes, season yes, five? Yes, I've seen That'll all of that. the wire now. <laughs> thank you. As
4: as, is t- For the as t- time, TV law watched season five, Sarah, yeah. and it's just like I wasn't <laughs> sure if he'd still done it.
2: I don't think the doc season start. I think the first season was so gripping and and raw, and then we were in the docks. I just didn't connect with it the same. I think I'd skip that and go to three. Oh, no. Yeah. It
3: really bears re-watching because if you look at all the sort of things like news reports about the county lines and how people get drugs out and now in the city, that season with the dogs is exactly that. And they've got all the stuff about like the Greeks having the drug, just like the Albanian drug trade here. It's amazing the way it actually links it all together. I think it's a really, and it's the season that's got the wake when they play the Pogues, which is
2: also great. true. See how easily influenced I am. I'm already thinking, (laughs) yeah, I really like the duck season of the wire. (laughs) What what was her favourite out of all the the boxes you showed her? What was the one that she really enjoyed? It was the wire.
3: Yeah, she liked Mad Men, but the wire was the one that really, and we did the Sopranos as well, but the wire was the one that she really, really loved.
2: I feel like The Sopranos, because I came to that late. Because we were talking before about living in the States, and when I lived there, we didn't have any of the HBOs or the Showtimes mm-hmm. or anything like that. So I was just exposed to network television and thought everything was awful. <laughs> uh, and and so when we got back, I was able to sort of fill in all the gaps and did my nurse jackies and my breaking Bad's and The Wire and things when we were back here, because it was easier. They are still... Great box. Did you actually have a DVD box set for them?
3: Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, it, the, it, it it. yeah, it yeah. the way to do it. Yeah, it is the way to do it. Oz as well, we did like that. She liked Oz, actually, because Oz is mad. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's bonkers.
3: I love Oz. It's the most insane show HBO did. I think it's fantastic.
2: Matt, what did the lovely people at social media have to say? Just bear with me. They're, okay, Deborah That's Swim your Street. only job. <laughs> that, I know. <laughs>
4: um... Deborah Shrewsby at Shrewd Kitty says um, The Larry Sanders Show. Still go back to dip into that one. 30 Rock, which is another one of mine, uh, multiple times. Uh, Mad Men, Ditto, Sopranos, Ditto, Yonderland, Ditto. I could carry on, but she hasn't. Um, (laughs) Beth Wright at Beth Wright 26 says Happy Valley so many times. Um, That basement scene, and then she's just put like a shocked face emoji. I like um, how you
2: bring Twitter alive with these. Yeah, I do. I, I
4: try my best. Lauren Jones, she said three. She said Life on Mars, Sopranos, and Shameless. And then when you pushed her for for more information, she says Life on Mars is my favorite show ever. It's so well written, and the cast are perfect in their roles. Every episode was great as a standalone piece of drama. Trying to describe it to someone who's not seen it is so hard because it sounds ridiculous, but it just yeah. works. Uh, she says, Sopranos are groundbreaking at the time. Shocking in parts and really well-written. Tony says, I bought the entire Skins box set recently. Will be the third time I've watched them all. He says, the gang are just incredible actors. That's a bit of an odd one, because you can watch all that on, on all four. So I don't and know you why. you have to
2: sit through adverts on all four.
0: Uh, uh, and then uh, you have to get
2: up occasionally to put the next disc in, but it's not as bad as sitting through adverts.
3: Yeah, but I really like all four. I'm going to... Can controversially say that I think there's better television on all four than Netflix.
2: Yeah, well, I would agree. Yeah, I think only the It is. See if you'd have had all four all those years ago.
4: Oh, no. <laughs> then we go to the the space event at the space event uh say only two breaking bad and line of duty So says both ones you mentioned there luke gordon g donaldson says i've bought every series of line of duty off itunes thrice as the Why? set is very he says in capitals that's how much i love it <laughs>
2: I don't know him, but I feel like you really captured his yeah, essence Yeah, I try my best. <laughs> Vicky Newman says, Line of
4: Duty, Peaky Blinders, Inspector Morse, and Pride and Prejudice.
3: I've rewatched Peaky Blinders a lot, actually. I, I sort of probably failed to mention that fact.
4: <laughs> well, I'm sorry, you had your time. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I thought you were, were going to say Inspector Morse, if I'm yeah. April Taylor says, State of Play, uh, the yeah. TV version, not the crap movie, and also Spaced. Penny, at Penny Blogs, has got an interesting one. Michael Palin's *Around the World in 80 Days*. Absolutely love it. Gave me the inspiration to travel. Uh, uh, Helen Daly, one of our one of our former guests, says *The Thick of It* makes me la- how we'd laughed every single time and seems incredibly relevant. Re- relevant even <laughs> in these brexit brexit days i can't speak it's <laughs> <my day. laughs>
0: this is I'm not, not it's,
2: one job and it's yeah. going downhill quick uh, tony hollis says
4: detectorist because it's wonderful and makes me feel good hmm. andrew carrington says um mad men sopranos uh, bbc hustle is an old fave i've watched many times uh, and the night of which is something that um, ed mentioned last week and finally elaine penn says breaking bad no explanation required I mean I've watched
2: Cracker so many times, I yeah. mean I think that's a brilliant show to rewatch. I must have seen each episode of that multiple times. Time that Christopher Eccleston is stabbed still gives me butterflies.
3: But that really, you're right, the writing really stands up on Cracker as well. So every time it gets better those yeah, that's a really good call.
2: In the meantime we've got four shows to talk about and there is one this week that has been all over social media, the cast have been all over the TV. It has just been everywhere, and the anticipation for it is almost too much to bear. I'm talking, of course, about Amazon's Hannah, <laughs> which <laughs> which is all, all there to stream now. Do you want to just walk us through the basic building blocks of this, Matt, and then we can talk about um, what we thought of it?
4: So this is a um, new eight-part series for Amazon. It's been adapted from a 2011 film by the uh, co-writer of the screenplay, David Farr. Hannah is a um, teenage girl who spends her, who spent her entire childhood being raised by uh, a father in the woods. And um, This is after we see the opening scene where um, he helps her mother escape from the hospital with her as a, as a newborn, and then the mother is killed. She sort of doesn't know anything but this life, But then we see her sort of meet a Polish boy who's felling trees in the woods and this sort of inadvertently leads the people who killed the mother years ago to track her and the father down again. And at the end of the first episode, um, she um, willingly gives herself in to let her father escape.
2: Okay, we don't need to watch that again. But the, <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, uh, let's talk about uh, what you thought of this map first, because you saw the film with Saoirse Ronan. I haven't seen it, so is it hard to disconnect from that and see um, this as its own thing? I, I,
4: I mean, I I found the the film very forgettable. I mean, I watched it in 2011, so it's almost nine, eight years since I've seen it. I do remember bits of it picking it up again certain bits about like the mother being killed and things like that and I remember Shishi Ronan being raised in the woods by her father who's played by um Eric Banner in the in the um in the film this is done in a lot more detail this sort of relationship between Hannah and her father in the first episode, that's what you get, you know, he's trying to give her the answers to these questions that she might be asked, like, what are your favourite Beatles songs, what are your favourite movies, things like that um, Those are
2: good social media questions, by yeah. the way
4: yeah, <laughs> So, in terms of it being spoiled by the film, not so much yet. I wonder what David Farr will do if he changes the story somewhat. I thought the star of the show, Esme Cree Miles, was absolutely brilliant in this. She was stunning. I mean, Hannah, it doesn't have a load of dialogue in it, the show as a whole. She expresses how she's feeling so much via sort of facial expressions and things like that. I thought she did a really good job. I don't know if I'm going to watch any more of this. It didn't sort of grab me, really. The strength of it was... was the performance by Esme Creed Miles.
3: Let's talk about your father.
0: Do you know why he kept you in the forest? Did he tell you where he was going? We are all worried about him. You're safe now.
2: She's faking.
4: Richards, get out of there. I have to find her before she finds us. I'm not safe. People are trying to hurt me. I want you to trust me. I can't trust anyone. I want to give you a normal life. But I'm not normal, am I?
2: Where did you grow up?
4: Why? Do you think I'm weird?
2: I think you're wonderful. I would agree, but the problem I had was it just felt really flat and really dull and... It didn't grab me. It felt a lot like a, another big Amazon action show, Jack Ryan, which I tried, which was looked good, looked stunning and had a load of stunts and drama in it, but the characters felt really thinly drawn and I I didn't really engage in the world. I do agree she was an interesting screen presence. She's the daughter of Samantha Morton and actor Charlie Creed Mars in real life and you could sort of see the Samantha Morton in her, those yeah. facial expressions and things. But I, I didn't find it gripping. I was never really... It's that phrase I always use where sometimes a show grabs you and you're, you're sort of in it and invested in it and other and, times it does feel like you're behind a pane of glass just watching yeah, something.
4: It wants you to watch all eight rather than just get your impression from the uh, first... This is almost like a prologue, isn't it, rather than uh, an so opening I'd, episode.
2: I object to that in a way. What about you, Sarah? How do you feel?
3: Yeah, I mean, I wasn't a massive fan of it, but I do think she's fantastic in it. And I did really like the end, the very end of it, where I thought it was actually quite good. But I was quite bored for the
2: first. Yeah.
3: And also, the problem I have is I just feel it's a story that's been told so many times. You know, we go all the way back to Leon, and it's like, young girl is an assassin. I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay. It's, it's perfectly competent. It actually felt quite a lot like those, sort of, those versions of those network US shows you mentioned mm. before, where it's sort of done on a perfectly alright level, you know, if I was flicking through TV on a Sunday night and it came up, I might go and watch 20 minutes of it and see how it grabbed me, but it didn't, I don't personally find Joel Kinnaman much of a screen presence, I feel like that about the version of The Killing that was remade as well, he just doesn't, yeah. doesn't grab me as an actor, whereas I thought she was very good, and once it got more
4: onto her, I was interested. And you talk about the American version of The mm. Killing, Miriel Enos is also it's in also this there. Well, yeah. <laughs> I think one of the big um, differences between the film is that the film had a a sense of urgency about it. It felt very fast-paced. I remember it being really sort of well-edited and things like that. It's got a soundtrack by the Chemical Brothers. This was the antithesis of this, really. It was sort of slow and plodding because we've got eight episodes to tell this story you know we've got whatever it is like six hours or something whereas before we had 90 minutes so it does feel a little bit strung out if if it's just the same story they're telling and there aren't any other bits what was like a 15 minute bit in the film being stretched out to 45 minutes
2: i just find it i find it completely humorless as well and and yeah. just took itself way too seriously i would not want to sit down to this on a sort of a rainy sunday it just Bored me to bits but i stayed with it because i knew i had you two watching it but otherwise (laughs) i probably would have given up i think the
4: trailer suggests that obviously now we're out of this world and you see you've seen hannah in other situations experiencing the bigger wider world um, but the, this first episode, I don't think it sounds like it didn't do enough to grab any of any of us. No. Um, because I think the pacing was an issue, really. Yeah, they been
3: too long in the woods and building up to getting into the cabin as well, mm. with all the and, and it's convoluted. You don't know who's involved in what. I, yeah, I was just. <laughs> so
2: we, we we've spoken about this on the podcast before. When when we watched Afterlife with Ricky Gervais, and he said, "Oh, you've got to watch all six as like one big." two-hour film and things. How do you stand on, you don't just watch one, you've got to watch the whole thing to get a good idea of what we're doing here. I find it irritating.
3: I've got mixed views on this. It irritates me. I think as a reviewer, it actually makes sense. Like sometimes when I look at sort of things like Emily Nussbaum's reviews in The New Yorker, because she has watched most of a show, her take is much more considered than we're, we're going to do a day after it's aired. And mm. so I do see the point of that. But I find this, I, I, I'm going to sound like I hate Netflix, but I really do think this is a, sort of a Netflix issue because, because they want you to binge it. Everything is supposed to be similar. And it means you've got no structure. There'll be blabby episodes in the middle of everything where they just sort of are dragging it out to get to that point. There's mm. so little editing. I think it's wrong to say, oh, you can't make it. Because actually, the opening episode should grab you because why else would you tune in?
2: In the same way, like with Afterlife, for example, which I didn't think was deserving of the praise that it received that I saw online and things. But if you think, oh, you've got to watch all six, make it a film. Don't make it half an hour episodes that we can dip in and out of. Make us sit through a whole two-hour film in that, in that case, you know?
3: Yeah, I mean, shows do get better often as they go on, and I'm a big fan of revisiting something at the end of its run to see how it's done. But I still think you can't make it with the intention that it can only stand up in that way, because that... That actually leads, I think, to shows that, that just flail around a lot of the time, that, that aren't saying, that think they're cleverer than they are and probably aren't saying as much as they think they are.
2: See, something like Russian Doll, which I adored, I was going to watch that because I felt connected to the characters, I was interested in the world, I was fascinated by the what her dying all the time yeah. actually meant. You know, I already knew I was invested in that and was going to continue and got to the end and found it really enjoyable. But I think it all comes from that first episode, whatever yeah. you're watching.
3: And I think that's true of Killing Eve. You look at the beginning of, some, of Killing Eve's opening, talking of assassins, that is a yeah. great opening episode. And you go with it because you want to know more about those two characters. But You want to know more about Villeneuve and the moment she puts the ice cream in that kid's... Yeah, that, you know, it's just... Because it's a grabby
2: thing. I like the idea of us having a new segment, Matt, called Speaking of Assassins... <laughs> 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 Don't know how often it will come up, but we'll <laughs> use it. There's
3: a lot of yeah. assassin shows out there.
2: Harry's <laughs> back next week. We could use yeah. it. Like... Yeah,
3: Game well, of Thrones. We <laughs> yeah,
4: we were talking last year at the end, our sort of end of year list, weren't we? How many of our favourite shows centred around sort of killers and and people, <laughs> you know? Because we had the Americans, we had Versace, we had Killing Eve.
2: Loads of great shows that, that featured assass- like cuddly assassins was like the theme of last year. Why don't we talk about the actual big show that everybody's been talking (laughs) about and and really looking forward to. This was Line of Duty, which is back after a two-year break. It's Series 5. It aired on Sunday on on BBC One. Um, And this one is perhaps a bit of a departure from the ones before, where we've had a guest lead and the AC12 folk investigating them, because this was the start of the end i suppose of the balaclava men storyline and i have to admit as nice as i was to all the prs that i met (laughs) for line of duty at the screening and excited as i was i was a little bit apprehensive going in because the balaclava side of the story has never been my favorite bit about it so i was kind of worried about if it's going to take over the whole series as an arc am I going to be as invested and it didn't take very long for me to be proved completely wrong as I did really enjoy this first episode which centers on a team of sort of clandestine cops led by Stephen Graham and a new actress that I should have looked up the name of Roshenda Roshenda yeah. Sandal or yeah. Sundell uh is 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 with him as well and they are sort of they're they're a cop-
3: is she with you? See, that's interesting. Well, I no, didn't... she's
2: she's winning in the sense of they working together.
3: Where are they? I saw you. I, sure I, you've I, seen d- I didn't get
2: that either. Oh, Luke. oh God! I, I... I need to rewatch it. I've written a whole recap. Not suggest. Okay. This no, so <laughs> you, you, you set it up the way you looked at it then.
3: My presumption is that they were a criminal gang who were not as we're, as we're introduced to them from, and then when they're told by. Um, Detective Superintendent Alison Powell, that they have a cop embedded in there, they make the assumption, Steve Arna and Vicky Fleming, that it must be the woman because she doesn't shoot the cop, right?
2: As an audience member, I sort of did that as well, unknowingly.
3: Well, weirdly, I didn't because if you look at it, I always thought it was Stephen Graham and they'd got it wrong because Steve Arna is always wrong. Yeah. and, And if you looked back, she's the one who has to do all the criminal stuff. She has to try and shoot the guy. She has to make the negotiation when the drugs and the money... put into place but he's never he's always there being threatening but he never actually does anything criminal
2: does anything yeah that's true
4: it is a sort of subversion thing as you were saying sarah it's like we're meant to think it is this this female because she's the one who leaves the copper alive she's nervous
3: she's yeah so then i wondered is she working for someone else and has been asked to spy on him because they don't trust him is she an undercover cop from a different group we don't know at all or is she just somebody who's been caught up in this and thinks i hate it and i don't want to do it and i'm freaking terrified of that stephen was Graham's my
2: assumption originally that she's just in too deep and wanted yeah. to escape yeah but yeah i was with you
4: sarah i guess it was stephen graham rather than the the yeah. the lady well judge, that was...
2: judging by the reaction in the screening room nobody else Guess that. They all yeah went... I heard
3: <gasps> that. I heard that. Yeah and I was surprised when I watched it because I think mean, maybe I read too many crime novels but also it's just that fact that I can't believe Steve would be right.
4: I remember the last press screening which ended with Jason Watkins trying to finish off Tandy Newton you know and then she she sort of is alive at the end. I remember that gasp still in the in the press yeah. in
2: the press screening doesn't top the gasp after Jessica Rain was thrown out the window. No, that was, oh, and again that
4: was the best one. <laughs> yeah, and I was again in that in that press screening for that one again. I think in terms of openings and closings, I didn't think this was as strong as other line of duty opening episodes have been. I mean, this is sort of centers around as you know, as as we've sort of mentioned, they a, um, a convoy, a police convoy of, of sort of captured drugs being um, ambushed by this gang of balaclava people. It goes from there, really, and that's when AC-12 start investigating, because, again, a copper has been left alive. From the investigation, they get the connection through to... Um, is it Monit the, yes. the the officer? Yeah. who Whose cousin is the reason she was being blackmailed in the last series by um, the copper whose name I've forgotten. The,
3: Hilton. Hilton.
4: AC-12. Yeah. And um, unfortunately, she ends up being the uh, the the uh, first episode death in in this episode.
2: First of many, I'm sure.
4: Yeah, but she. I, I liked how they didn't leave that hanging because obviously we had that as a as a. They left her hanging a bit. Yeah, <laughs> as, as, as a sort of, as a sort of thread in the last series, didn't we? That that she was the dodgy one feeding information and things like that.
3: It's not as punchy an opening as, say, no. some of the previous ones, but I think it was an opening that was closer to series one and is True. more um, interesting in what it has set up than perhaps, see, see, the Tap, the Newton, see, um, Jason Watkins one, I actually thought was far too broad, <laughs> the opening last, yeah, I thought it was ludicrous at times, I mean, the series redeemed itself, but I was just like, oh God, it's so over the top. Um, sort of more networky American, I felt it just didn't feel like the line of duty I like, whereas this yeah. This one is very much, you know, I mean, I love Stephen Graham as actor anyway, but it's very much, is he somebody who's helping them or has he gone completely to the other side? Is he a crook? Is he a criminal? Is he, who's he really conning? Is he going to con AC-12 or is he conning the criminals? And I just think there's there's a lot of potential character development with him and with her character, but also the sort of idea of the cousin having a gambling addiction and Superintendent Hastings clearly having no money and being really bad with money. Does he have some sort of gambling thing? Is that why they're throwing it out? But, you know, there's a lot of, I thought there was a mm. lot going on in that episode mm. at a quieter pace that might become really interesting. So I really quite uh, liked
2: it. We don't ever in this country have these returning shows year after year that not that move one plot forward. It's very mm. rare that we get that. What I would say about it and what I find so interesting is I would say that Adrian Dunbar, Vicky McClure and Martin Cromston are fantastic. The core unit are so good together, and as soon as they start interacting, you feel at home and you feel this is line of duty. But in terms of characters, taking Adrian Dunbar aside, because he had some good one-liners that made us all laugh at the screening, but the characters of Steve Arnott and Kate Fleming, they're quite thinly drawn, really, aren't they? I don't know whether that's done by design, but I couldn't really tell you anything about them other than he's learned to walk pretty well in the last (laughs) two years. It's weird because all the other shows that we mentioned at the top that we rewatch are so full of rich characters and and this is led by characters that i don't really have an emotional connection to really i don't agree hello it
0: is ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day couldn't we just to make up for things like sitting in traffic doing the dishes counting your steps you know all the mundane stuff that is why i'm such a big fan of chumba casino chumba casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day low
1: Play for free at Luckylandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary, boyd were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We're thinly
4: drawn really. I think these are people whose life is dominated by their work. And I think you Jem McCurio drops little hints about personal life throughout, you know, Kate's relationship with her. I, I think she was married and her son, and they sort of... Well, she, we do
2: see a brief home life yeah, scene yeah. in this as well.
3: See, what, but, what was interesting about that, though, is I couldn't have bet money that that was the husband she got back to, or whether it might be a no. new have <laughs> yeah, No
2: idea. I remember,
4: because in it would be series three when she and Dot are having a heart-to-heart, aren't yeah. they? And she's estranged from, from her family at that stage. And now, and now she's sort of back with them again. Steve has sort of a wandering eye for the ladies, mm-hmm. doesn't he, and things like that. And, we and see a tendency
3: on, to sleep with witnesses.
4: Yeah, and we we see him we see him on uh, on Tinder, don't we? In this first episode. Yeah. So there is little bits, and and the stuff with with Hastings. We saw his sort, you know, we saw his marriage crumble, didn't we? Mm. Because he decided to go against uh, Mark Bonner's character. I think wasn't he in series yeah. two? He's perhaps that's
2: it they're, they're, they're so because we only see them at work that's who we are Th- yeah. those are the people we're seeing as opposed to their backstories as such it'll be like when your family gets back Sarah and you won't have seen them for <laughs> a few hours
3: yeah it will be and I'll be like, oh yeah I have a whole secret double life making
2: fun <laughs> <laughs> we're all going to continue watching aren't we that goes oh, without yeah, saying oh
3: god yeah absolutely and I, I, think, I do think it's a great setup. this one I think it's a really interesting setup, and I'm looking forward to seeing
2: how they take it. I hope Hastings isn't, at the end of the day, bad, really, because it just it ruins the whole thing.
4: It's got to be a double bluff, hasn't it? Because they've set it up as something that you're thinking about. You know, they've made it really obvious that, is he a bit dodgy? You know, he's done several sort of looks to camera, and there are little bits and hints that, oh, it, he might be dodgy. But I, I don't think he will be, or maybe it's just sort of wishful thinking, but... I think the fact that they've put it in your mind means that he won't be.
3: I would be absolutely devastated. And in fact, I was going to say, I had I just interviewed Adrian Dunbar about this very subject for Sunday, which was in Sunday's Observer. And he was very cagey, but he agreed with me that he would make a very unlikely criminal mastermind given how bad he is with cash. I, I find it hard to believe that an evil financial overlord would live in a travel lodge, even if he was trying to sort of cover his tracks because we know that he's got he's not good with cash and that does seem to suggest he can't really be the ultimate bad guy.
1: You're listening to the Custard TV Podcast. The official podcast of thecustardtv.com
2: So also on this week, the other sort of big drama is the return of the good fight. This is the Good Wife spin-off which is uh, on CBS All Access in the US and we get on more for in the uk here matt basic building blocks of the good fight go the big story
4: in the first episode um we've
2: got adrian
4: Bozeman finding out that the uh, the firm's founding partner carl reddick was you know sexually abusing several members of staff at the office we've also got diane's continued vendetta against donald trump Ooh. finding out her <laughs> husband has been going on safari with the two trump sons and that's a, um, that's the
2: second spin-off that we need to see. <laughs> um, also, um,
4: there's stuff going on with Maya trying to get sort of more respect and Marissa helping her with that and there's stuff with, like, Luca as well trying to balance her motherhood with work and them offering her a role in divorce law, which is something that is seen as almost like a demotion. So those are the main sort of stories in in this first episode.
2: I'm gonna put my cards on the table because I feel like Go I'm ahead. amongst friends here. I have loved the good wife, I've loved the good fight, but I think I'm done after this one. No. Because no, really. Because I just found it all a bit too daft and too heightened. And it just spends too much time doing silly things. I, I didn't like the cartoon thing. I thought that was they'd done that before and it was sort of overdone. I think tonally it's all over the place. And the bits I really liked were the bits about the sexual misconduct and things. That was really interesting and really relevant. Mm. But I feel like it's not a lore drama so much anymore. It's there's picking moments that are relevant and using them and that's should be commended, perhaps, but as a show, I don't think it works. There's too much about it I'm not really fond of. I don't like Rose Leslie and her annoying, croaky voice. They've turned um, Diane into a character that I don't really feel she would be. There's all the micro-dosing last series that didn't really go anywhere. Then she was doing yoga, and bringing Trump into the mix irritates me slightly, because I feel like we get enough of him in everyday life to have to deal with him in the drama. So i it feels wrong to say it's not the show I want it to be, but it's not a legal law drama and I'm not really connected enough to it at this point.
4: Apparently, they're not going to be in court as much this, this season. They've, they've already sort of said that. I mean, this is, again, I mean, this is just sort of setting out what's, what's going to be happening really going forward. I, too, like the, the sort of the main story surrounding like the, the firm's image, really, and all this coming out about Reddick after his death.
2: I can see the, the I think there's just too much fluff around the rest mm-hmm. of it. That, but you know. I think we're getting
4: sort of more... Michael Sheen, I believe, is coming into the series in the next episode. So that's yeah. going to sort of improve things as we go on. I, I agree there was... I mean, the stuff with, with Maya and, and with, with Diane I wasn't fond of where where um, Kurt's guard sort of started talking to her. And um, that was all a bit a bit silly. And and the song as well that they did, I didn't think that fit about um non disclosure agreement. They had a song in it last year, didn't they, about about yeah. Trump that I think not got nominated for an Emmy. So I think they're thinking, Oh, we're gonna be the show now that does all these little comedy songs and things like that which again Luke, it's, quite... it's
2: gone too quirky i think yeah you nice. you're not a big
4: fan of the quirk are you the, I, oh no.
2: yeah
3: That's so. that's why i'm not sure that michael sheen's arrival is going to help luke in any way to the opening second see him getting botox through inject self-injecting himself with botox while a hooker gives him a blowjob god it's
4: a normal friday night for that's, you that's, isn't that's it? a <laughs> monday
3: morning isn't it yeah, yeah. so <laughs> You know, I, I have such mixed, I'm kind of, I have such mixed I think the bits this show does well It still does really well So I do think all the sexual um, stuff is interesting or something, but it, You know, the actual law firm And what they might have covered And what it means to be a sort of A progressive left-leaning law firm And turn out not to be as good as you Might have pretended to be That's interesting But I think you're right It's, it's getting a little bit David Kelly for me at times Some of us mm. heading that sort of way Ali mcbeal yeah, or what was the show with um
4: Boston oh, Legal.
3: Thank you. That it's more like that. That's what yeah, it kept finding me on.
4: With Shatner yeah. And, yeah. And, and James Spade. Yeah. Um <laughs> I'll tell you no, who I who I did like in this and who I will praise is Audrey McDonald, who I didn't like at all in the last season, but I thought she was really good in this episode. Yeah, she you know, finding out about her dad and things like that, you know, them trying to keep this from her for the longest time. That was all well done. I, I didn't feel like the brought her on last series, I feel, as a big name and then didn't do a lot with her. But this this first episode, I, I thought she was really strong in. And obviously, as well, Sarah Steele as Marissa, who we, who we yeah. always love on this. Yes, always really. loved her.
2: The, the thing is, though, because this podcast is therapy, I did finish that episode and sort of go, well, why don't I like it? Because it's <laughs> still the kings at the head of it. They wrote this first episode and they were over a whole good wife and it's Diane, and, it's, and I was just thinking, I think it might be because if you're on a streaming service, there's nobody going, you can't yeah. do that, you shouldn't do this, and I feel like they've just got a bit carried away with the freedom, perhaps.
3: I think that's so often the case with streaming shows, that you just if ever there was an argument for needing an editor to say, do you know what, this plot doesn't work, or this quirky bit doesn't work, it is something like that. that yeah, I think that's totally true.
2: There's a lot of the second season that I didn't like because I like the quieter moments, and the more sort of you know personal and moments. The,
4: and the court the, the the you know the courtroom scenes and things like that the cases where there wasn't really I mean they had the stuff with Reddick and things like that but they there wasn't like someone coming to the law firm saying can you represent me in this first episode and yeah. I think that there's going to be less of that going forward so. If that's what you sort of latched onto in these
2: in these yeah. series,
4: then that's not going to be something that that is going to happen as much.
2: Is Michael Sheen zany? Yeah, it's and over the so top. So that that's going to irk me as well, isn't it? I think.
3: Yeah, I was going to say he's like a a sort of ultra slick showmany type lawyer, and he has to work with Rose Leslie, so that's not going to help you any. Although it is quite funny seeing him sort of destroy her plans. Um, yeah.
2: I just I just find her her performance quite irksome anyway she just uh, have a good cough clear <laughs> <laughs> Clean your throat and do the next line i don't know but the good fight is on thursday's on on more4 if you if you loved the first and second season you're still going to like this but for me it was just too silly and like, not grounded enough because all the plot about um Audre McDonald's macdonald's dad sort of butt up against all the silliness they were doing i don't it was a strange dynamic the final show that we will be discussing before uh, Sarah loses her you know body weight in Boxmaster <laughs> is a new comedy on E four called Dead Pixels that surrounds a group of gamers in an online game, and we get to see sort of their online world and their world outside of it. It's led by a great young actress Alexa Davis, who you may remember from um, Detectorist as Toby Jones's daughter. She was also in uh, Raised by Wolves* from Catlin Moran a few years ago. She's brilliant as sort of the only female member of this group who plays this game called Meg. She's on a date when we first meet her, but she finds out one of the castles is breaking down, burning down, sorry, and has to go and save things and cause time on a date over this game. She, they've also got um, Will Merrick in there as sort of a gamer who just is obsessed with this and just spends all their time talking to Meg about what they're going to do and how they're going to better their chances in the game. There's also uh, an American guy who's, whose kids are in desperate need of his attention with an ear in, with an eye infection, is it, I think? That they always just hear their, their voices rather than seeing them. It actually is a very sweet-natured show. and It's a show about gamers that makes them real as opposed to nerds. And I found it quite endearing. It's all up on all four, the aforementioned better streaming service than Netflix, <laughs> yes. if you want to watch it. Sarah, when I talked about this to you before we recorded, you said it grew on you. So how many of these have you seen?
3: Well, it was actually even the i I've seen three of them, but it was actually the first episode that grew on me. When I first was watching it, the first few minutes, I was like, mm, I don't know. And then I was like, oh no, this is actually really good. And I think. Yeah. it is the performances i love her she's brilliant
2: she is good
3: um but they're also i just thought the interaction is good it does you're absolutely right it doesn't talk down to gamers it makes their relationship so believable it makes the game why they would be into the game so interesting and it's it has fun with it whilst also you know giving it real love and support and this shuffle oh god it's going to be sort of broad and it's not going to hit the jokes and you know it just it's going to leave me totally cold but then something really clicked for me. And I was like, it's not doing any of that because it's got this real, real love and care for the characters. And I think that's Mm. why it works.
2: And there was a nice little twist at the end that I (laughs) genuinely didn't see coming, which I really enjoyed. Uh, Matt, what about you? Yeah, I, I didn't realise this was all
4: on all four. I would have probably watched another one. Um, it is, Matt. It's
2: all on all four. Oh uh,
4: well, I might go and back and watch another one because I I found it hard to judge it on this first episode alone. I I agree with you too that um, Alexa Davis is fantastic. I also like Charlotte Ritchie in this. She was like the flatmate who's sort of completely bemused by this whole online gaming world, isn't she? And and. Does but like, again,
2: doesn't mock her for it. She no. just sort of accepts her for... for They're all like aspect.
4: outsiders in different ways, aren't they? Because she almost feels like a little bit of an outsider herself, even though she's like this this perfect girl. You know, she she buys a flute for some reason in the first episode. When I was at uni, lived with two people who were obsessed with World of Warcraft. So I I was sort of the outsider there in a way. Um, and I think this is very well balanced. I mean, she's a character Meg who... Is trying to sort of struggle with the sort of balance of her own life and this game that's that she's sort of stuck on, and and the the sort of ongoing thread is that they've been doing this for years now and trying to complete it, um and and they're almost at the end of completing it now, aren't they? That's the that was that was the it's thing. It's sort I of where do we episode. go from here? Yeah.
2: After that, I'm sure. Uh, as someone who's seen three, is there a lot of narrative development? And things yeah, all... there is
3: some but a lot of it is just the, the relationship between the characters i think i mean that, that's what grabbed me the most i love i love just the different ways that you can why they play the game what what they want to be you do see more about how much he obviously loves her but has never told her you know um and i like that but i like her awkwardness i like the way that she's trying desperately to interact with people but can't quite make it work
2: sometimes i'm a bit sort of against putting stuff all on as a box set, because you think, well, why? But in this case, I do feel like I'm more inclined to go on to all for the better streaming service than Netflix, because I want to catch up with it on my own time and not yeah. have to wait, because the, by the time Thursday comes up again, you might think, oh, I forgot Dead Pixels was on. Uh, but now we haven't got the 15-year wait you would have if um, if it was the last episode of GVH. Yeah. So, <laughs> it swings and roundabouts, really. But no, I, th- I think for a first episode of the comedy, it delivered what it was supposed to yeah. deliver because I know who the characters are. I know what their world is. I know what their the sense of humour is. It made me laugh a lot. I thought it was sweet-natured and fun and didn't take itself or the game too seriously. That's all on all four now, if you so wish. Or it's on uh, E4 Thursdays at 9.30 uh, after Brooklyn Nine-Nine on Thursday nights. So now is the time when Sarah (laughs) might suddenly have to dash off and her family just suddenly reappear out of nowhere. (laughs) It's time for Boxmaster.
3: Oh, God.
0: Okay, let's begin.
4: Matt, over to you. Okie dokie. So bonuses. W- would you like either Lost in Translation or Who Lives in a House Like This?
0: <laughs>
4: <laughs> oh my God!
2: I want both of them. I'll
4: be honest.
3: Uh, I'm going to be terrible at both. So Lost in Translation. <laughs> Okie
4: dokie. So first, first question. Um, not not bonus. So Simon, Casey, Kurt McKenna, Brian Steadman, and Jenny Page were characters in which British drama? <laughs>
3: Oh my god! do so it again? <laughs> Simon Steadman. Simon
4: Casey, uh, Kurt okay. McKenna, She's Ryan just Steadman, to google and Jenny Page were characters in which British drama? No. <laughs> Luke, any ideas? It was teachers. Okay, well done. Oh. Uh, but you're not playing, so. Uh, question <laughs> question number two. What was the colour of the coats worn by the staff members of Maplin's holiday camp in Heidi High?
3: Yellow.
4: Well done, 3 points. <laughs> That's a uh, base. We know now. <laughs> okay. Your first first bonus, um, Lost in Translation. The original versions of the voice, Big Brother and Deal or No Deal, all aired in which European country?
3: Holland.
4: Was that Holland? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, well done. <laughs> I, I couldn't work out if it said Holland or Poland. I'm really worried now that I know all the cheesy questions.
2: You're gonna right. un, you're to enunciate. We're learning okay. as well. Okay. okay. In
4: 1972, a crack commando unit was sent to prison by a military court for a crime <laughs> they didn't commit. Are the are the lines from the opening monologue of which US TV show?
3: The 18.
4: Well done. Oh you're my God, it we didn't know about here <laughs> uh, Question number five. Which Oscar-winning actress played the matriarch Nora Walker in the American drama Brothers and Sisters?
3: Oh, Sally Field.
4: Well done. It's like a bonus, lost in translation. The Israeli series Prisoners of War was adapted into which America drama series? Homeland. Well done. Six points. We're getting... We're getting... Okay, This is really
2: disappointing for me. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
4: <laughs> in which year did Friends, Frasier, and Sex and the City all come to an end?
3: Oh, for God's sake. Um, somewhere in two fa- 2000? 2002?
4: No, a mean... couple, couple of years out there. 2004. Oh, no. uh, question number eight. On the Crystal Maze, how much time in the final game does <laughs> each Crystal earn?
3: <laughs> I have no idea.
4: Because I had
3: um, ooh, five minutes.
4: <laughs> no, it's, it's five seconds. Oh, for five seconds. No. <laughs> Your final bonus question on Lost in Translation um, Amanda's, starring B. Arthur, and Payne, starring John LaRoquette, were both oh. American attempts to adapt which classic British sitcom?
3: Oh, God.
4: Do
3: you know, I don't know, but I will know. And it's going to annoy me. Tell me. Do you want to guess? Uh, just... Can I
4: have a guess?
3: Yeah, go on. Let after, guess.
4: After, after Sarah oh. has it again. Okay. Because she's oh. playing the game. Okay, so say again. It's, what was the first one called? Amanda starring beoff Arthur. Amanda. And Payne starring John Laraquette were both American attempts to attack... Atap- atap- I can't even speak now. Adapt to which classic
2: British sitcom?
3: Dear John.
2: No, Luke. <laughs> I think, bizarrely, I've. this is in the background of my mind Forty Towers well done oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, and finally
4: um, question number 10 over its two series which ITV reality show boasted a judging lineup that included the likes of Cilla Black Martin McCutcheon David Guest and Michael Ball
3: uh, Brim's Got Talent
2: <laughs> no Luke have you got a, a guess no, but you know when they say who would you invite to a dream dinner party? <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew you would say that.
4: It's soap Star Superstar. Oh, no one remember one... that one?
2: No, I would <laughs> have <been> in America. <laughs> Why was Silla Black on the judging panel for that?
4: I don't know. Don't, I can't ask her anymore, can that we? That needs more <laughs> investigation, doesn't it? <laughs> okay, let me just add these up quickly and I can give you your score.
3: I feel like I didn't totally die, so it's all right.
4: I think, let me just double check.
2: God, he's like a teacher marking a report I, I like him uh,
4: yeah f- final score then 18 points that's alright
2: Where, where's that put her on the leaderboard
4: awesome. near the top I think Helen still got the got the top score
3: oh, she Yeah, worked. she worked
2: she worked yeah but that, that's <laughs> a, that's admirable well done Sarah <laughs> I'm <Yes>.
4: amazed
3: <laughs>
2: Well then, I find it less interesting when people are right all the time. I've learned about myself. I like a bit of Jeopardy. That's what yeah. I found out about myself.
3: Oh, I'm sorry. And yeah. the fact
2: that you answered that Heidi that, uh, High question without even a blink yeah. was fantastic. <laughs> Yellow! <laughs> Actually, no, hang, hang on.
4: No, I think <coughs> you might have got the top score. Let me just have another check. Oh my, my God! I'm marking when when Luke's not... No, 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 21 actually, Sarah, there you go, so top score,
2: shared with Helen. That was all sort of emotions I went through there, one minute you were in the middle of the pack, now you're top with Helen. going to have to get you in to fight it out if nobody can beat 21 that was really fun thank you ever so much for that oh, box thank you. Sarah. that
3: was great i really enjoyed
2: it cheers where where can people find you online if they want to sort of find out more about you and your writing and all this
3: they can find me at twitter um where i am at sarah jp hughes i think um, and online at the guardian anywhere on the guardian they actually have a site to me and i do actually have a, a website but it's not very good it just says sarah hughes journalist but i well, can't Does,
2: does what them. it says on the tip, doesn't it?
3: <laughs> yeah exactly um but i you know the twitter has all of that on it
2: Have you seen anything that's coming up that we may not have seen that you think is worth uh,
3: well i think the last two episodes of dairy girls are brilliant As are, and they made me cry, honestly. The last one is so good, and there's this brilliant speech from Michelle in it that's just fantastic. The last episode of Fleabag is great, um, because I've had you watching all of these recently. What else do I think? Oh, well, I'm going in two weeks' time, ask me, because that's when I've got to go to Belfast to the premiere of Game of Thrones. Um, (laughs) So that will be interesting.
2: I'm really sorry you had to get rid of people, and I really appreciate you taking the time.
3: They may never come back again Maybe they've all gone To form a new life Leaving me at the middle Of pain, You
2: know <laughs> if, if not We'll be back next week
3: <laughs> <laughs> Exactly I'll just start To join you guys We'll be like A sort of Dead Pixels version Of a
2: podcast <laughs> Well we've all got The headphones on I'm sure yeah.
1: that was- You're listening To the Custard TV Podcast The official podcast Of the CustardTV.com
2: The podcast is everywhere. There's no way you can't find it. As long as you look in the right places. (laughs) Spotify, tune in. Spotify, tune in. iTunes, Stitcher. Give us a five-star review. And to be fair, I haven't looked on iTunes for a while to see how many of these we've had, but it would mean a lot Mm. if you could just put some kind words. We've rebooted the podcast at the start of the year. We'd like to know what you're making of sort of the new sound of it. So go on to iTunes and let us know what you make of the podcast as it is also youtube.com for our individual reviews subscribe and like us on there because that helps as well and just visit the site the custard com. on the site this week you can uh you can read who made uh the nominations for the baftas they were released this week that's well, all what there. do
4: we think of the bafta nominations quickly in the in the outro <laughs> let's
2: talk about yeah the in the outro let's start again um <laughs> For the most part I'm quite happy. There's a couple of omissions I'd have liked to have seen
4: What you, what, what were your I'm omissions?
2: Gonna, well my I would have liked to have seen Jenna Corman get best actress mm. nomination for The Cry, just because I think that was a very emotional performance. I thought it was really well done. So I and would have,
4: the series very well.
2: Yes, and it's sort of it's what kept me going past the You know, my issues with the first episode. I don't quite understand
4: how Keeley Ors is in there, because you're only in half the series.
2: For the most part, I was quite happy about Mm. it, really. One that I'm surprised didn't get any nominations
4: at all is Mother's Day. Yeah, I would have thought... Single drama included, I mean, Bandersnatch. Yeah, see that... Um, I can't remember off the top of my head what else. (laughs) There was a Channel 4 one that I'd never heard of. Mother's Day, the performances in that from Vicky McClure and from Adam um, Agbo-Martin. Yeah, so was... um, and, and the other odds nomination, there's always one that you go, what? Um, and this year it was Billy Piper in Collateral being nominated as yeah, Best Supporting Actress. There
2: is always one. Uh, single <laughs> drama, just for those who, who want to know. Bandersnatch, as we said. Killed by my debt on BBC3, which, to be fair, I didn't see. Through the Gates on the Edge on Channel 4, That's which the again, one I've... I didn't see. Yeah. And care, which obviously was going. And be again, annoying.
4: no no acting nominations for care. Again, um, no nomination in comedy actor for Charlie Cooper, even though Daisy May Cooper was in there
2: for comedy actress. And again. also, what, why is um, Steve Pemberton in there but not Rhys Shearsmith? I mean, if I was him, that would irritate me. Uh, because I don't. Both uh, yeah, I suppose
4: parts. it's the it's the parts they've played. Maybe if you think about inside Bernie Clifton's dressing room, he had the more sort of reese often plays the straight role where whereas steve Mm -hmm. has a lot more like um the um tavern to hold as well that Mm -hmm. would be maybe they have to submit a certain episode of the show Mm -hmm. and and it was one of those that that he's got the main leading role in Mm because the the performance in tavern to hold the turn there was was excellent and and the sort of revelation about what what had happened to his character, Bernie? Bernie Clifton's dressing room as well. Those were those were the ones that really sort of stuck with me. I can sort of understand why Pemberton rather than Shearsmith had been nominated there, but yeah, I get what you're saying.
2: Also on the site, there if you we, a show we've not been talking about, but is getting a lot of online traction thanks to the the fact that it's on Netflix. Stephen's done a piece on the second part of the OA, which is now on Netflix. And uh, speaking of Stephen, he's also continuing to recap Pose, which is on Thursday nights on BBC Two and is still worth your time, very much so. Thank you ever so much for listening. Thank you to Sarah. I really enjoyed that. And uh, we'll be back soon. This has been the Custard TV Podcast. Bye-bye. Take care. I do like
1: that. (laughs) Rate and review us wherever you find us. I think that it's programs like this that help people realize that they're not alone. Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes and Facebook.